Hello, I'm Beth Fateni, the director of the New York-based nonprofit Green Inside and Out and host of the Green Inside and Out podcast, where we cover environmental topics to keep you informed, inspired, and empowered to take action. Green Inside and Out is happy to have the Deep Roots Farmer's Market at Garvey's Point in Glen Cove, New York, which you can visit on Saturdays, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. from June through October. There are over 35 vendors weekly. Also visit the Great Neck Farmer's Market, Sundays from 10 to 2 at Firefighters Park on Grace Avenue in Great Neck, New York. For more info, check out deeprootsfarmersmarket.com. Hi, welcome to the Green Inside and Out Sustainable Living Podcast. Today, I will be interviewing um, representatives from Vision Long Island, Eric Alexander and Alyssa Kyle. Eric Alexander is the director of Vision Long Island, the region's downtown planning organization. He has 30 years of experience in housing, transportation, community development, and coordinating community projects. Specifically, Eric has advanced downtown planning, infrastructure investment, and mixed-use development through lobbying the federal, state, and county levels while working with municipalities to develop and implement smart growth policies, regulations, and projects. His work at Vision Long Island has resulted in over 150 downtown and infrastructure projects supporting over 16,000 units of transit-oriented development across Long Island. It's really amazing. In 2019, Eric founded the Long, Long Island Main Street Alliance, which represents 45 downtowns across Long Island. And in 2021, he became the host of the Long Island Main Street News, which is an internet-based TV show that has interviewed over 500 local community business and government leaders, including me from Green Inside and Out. Thank you very much. <laughs> you were great. <laughs> in 2002, Eric organized Long Island's first Smart Growth Awards and led its first Smart Growth Summit. And these continue to this day, which we'll talk about, um, and they're held annually and attract over a thousand attendees. And the point is to develop a policy agenda for downtown re redevelopment and infrastructure. Thank you for, I didn't hear you. Thank you for uh, having me. And I know Alyssa's on here with us and she's she's the brains of the operation. So it says I did all these things, not at all. It's a team effort. <laughs> Alyssa's been, the, been, been with us for a very long time. Yes, yes. So I wanna introduce Alyssa as well. But just to recognize that you are on the board of the Long Island Coalition for the Homeless, which is amazing. You've served as a volunteer advisor for the youth group um, at the Ethical Humanist Society of Long Island, and you're part of Pink Tie Foundation. So, And you've won many awards and many, many other things we could say. But moving on to Ms. Kyle, awesome. who I've known for years as well. Um, Alyssa is, has been a planner, advocate, and designer for Main Street revitalization efforts in downtowns throughout Long Island. Her focus is on um, building design, traffic calming solutions, and her professional testimony at over 100 public hearings during the last 14 years with Vision Long Island have made her one of the region's most respected voices in planning. Ms. Kyle blends the best practices of traditional neighborhood design known nationally with the practical needs of local Main Streets. Her passion has been creating great spaces and her consistent and creative solutions have been applied in dozens of downtowns on Long Island. In 2009, Ms. Kyle joined Vision Long Island as their sustainability director, focusing on environmental is issues such as green building, carbon reduction, compact and walkable development, habitat and open space preservation, and water quality protection. 
Currently, as placemaking director, she provides technical assistance through the review of development proposals and road projects through a smart growth and human-centered lens. She also leads walk audits in partnership with AARP. Uh, she lives in Huntington Station, right near me, and she's been part of the Huntington Station revitalization. So such long bios, you guys do amazing work. So we'll just hop right in. I remember many years ago serving on your board um, and we had done presentations about peak oil back in the day and new urbanism. Um, but you know, there's many things we could talk about within the, the scope of smart growth. But um, I just wanted to focus today on walkability. So tell us about why this is important and what you've been doing to increase walkability on Long Island. You know, I'm going to leave that to Alyssa out of the gate because that's been a bedrock principle of our work. And Beth, you've been there from day one from a, you know, environmental perspective. You are always really trying to, you know, focus on the, the, the environmental habitat, but then there's the human habitat. How does the human habitat work in a way that, that is balanced? And how do we grow Long Island? And how do we, uh, really instead of sprawling, uh, our development patterns. How do we have more compact development? Uh, and then and when you do have that compact development, you have to focus on how do, how do people walk? How do people bike? How do people get around? So there's lots of details with this and lots of policies and projects, but I'm going to toss it over to Alyssa because she's runs point on a lot of this. Yeah. Uh, over the past, I guess, 70 years or so since, uh, you know, the potato fields first started becoming subdivisions, um, we really built most of our roads primarily for speed and just moving cars through as quickly as possible and really didn't factor in, um, you know, people walking and biking and taking transit places. Uh, much of that was always considered an afterthought. Uh, so we've been working with communities. We work with AARP and we do what's called walking audits or walk audits where we'll go visit a particularly rough area as far as walking conditions are and make observations, take measurements. Uh, we have speed guns where we see how fast cars are driving, people are driving um, often many miles over the speed limit. You know, how far is it to get across the street? Does the signal give you enough time to get across the street to, to really kind of look at what is impeding uh, walking in an area? Um, you know, right now, most of the places, you know, the, the only people walking there are those who have no other choice. So at a bare minimum, we need to make it safe for folks that have to walk. Um, and from a, both an environmental and a health perspective, we want to create an environment where places are enjoyable to walk and where people would choose to walk over, over another form of transportation. Um, so first level is just getting the safety factor there and then looking into um, elements that make it comfortable and attractive, whether it's shade trees, um, calming traffic so that it's quiet and slow and not intimidating, um, and just lots of other factors that make walking a, a viable mode of transportation. That's great. I mean, I, I think it's definitely important, especially I've been hearing a lot about people getting killed on the roads lately. So here on Long Island, it's really a shame. But yeah, it definitely plays into the to the carbon issue as well. So how long has uh, Vision Long Island been working in this space and, and what are some of your most proud accomplishments? I know we talked about Long Island Lobby Day as well as your, your walkability efforts. 
I mean, I guess to say we've done, I think, Complete Street Summits now. We bring these gatherings of all the folks who care about Complete Streets and walkability together, I think, for, was it 13 years, Alyssa? I think so. Somewhere around I there. It's, I think it's 13. You know, back 20 years ago, we brought in a uh, internationally renowned walkability expert, Dan Burden, to do downtown visionings with us to try to make areas more walkable. I think the first visioning with him was in 2000 in downtown Huntington. And we, we've had him all over the island, um, and we have had resulting about 30 different visionings we've done to try to really get from the community how they want to grow, how they want more safe, walkable streets. So we've been hitting that drum for a very long time, and there's about 40 what we call traffic calming projects that have uh, been implemented across the island, but that's nowhere near enough when you look at the crash data and look at uh, how horribly many of our roads are designed, as Alyssa laid out. Um, we have a long way to go. And, you know, the good news is there's now money available to kind of make these changes, but it's a question of getting our New York State Department of Transportation, our, our, our county DPWs, Department of Public Works, to actually design roads that are safe for folks. And, and you know, we think these are engineering solutions and design solutions. That, well, obviously, we know we can't stop the sociopaths and the folks that are drunk and the folks that are high and the folks that... You know, we need to do education, enforcement, all those things. But when it gets down to how you physically design communities, we can do a soul a whole lot better. So we we got a lot of work to do, but we've done a lot. And there's a lot of people who care. And that's really the most important part is people in the community care a lot. And we'll get later what they can do to get things moving. So do you want to talk about some of the specifics of the, the work that you've been doing, like certain projects? Sure. Alyssa, yeah, I mean, give me, give, give me, start with some highlights and I'll, I'll fill in. I mean, uh, I mean, going back, back to the beginning when, uh, back in 2000, when we brought Dan Burden in, um, you're focusing on Gerard Street and resulted in a roundabout because on that particular road is the road that everyone had to cross to get from the main parking lot in town to the movie theater. Um, Lots of people, you know, there were crashes happening. And, and since the roundabout has gone in, it's calm traffic. It's easy to get across the street now. Um, and it's kind of that little corner, you know, some restaurants have popped up and it's, it's you know, a nicer spot in town, whereas before it used to be just a bypass road to avoid the traffic on Main Street. Um, more recently, um, we're uh, involved with trying to, we've put together with these walk auto reports, something like 16, 15, 16 reports at this point. Um, and we're, we're going to be doing some more walk audits coming up. Um, mobility week like, is coming up. Yes, it is. So we're going to be doing a bunch, a bunch for mobility week. Um, but, you know, working with DPWs, we worked with, uh, you know, in, in, uh, the community of Baldwin, they've been doing a lot of revitalization work there. And one of the uh, projects we're involved with resulted in a, I don't want to call it a road diet, but a traffic calming project on Grand Avenue that will help to allow uh, some revitalization um, to occur there, make it more walkable so that, um, you know, it's more attractive place for business and for people to live. Um, you know, there's other projects that have, have come up in, uh, you know, Bayshore and Patchogue and, you know, all around the island. Um, lots of places are, are, you know, whether they're putting bike lanes or just enhanced crosswalks, but there's a, a number of projects around the island that have really kind of helped to um, 
you know, make it make it more comfortable for people when they're walking there and, and alert drivers that, you know, you, you got to take it down a notch and, and pay attention to what's going on around you. I, mean, I would say, too, on a local level, we've gotten a really great support. Uh, I think local mayors, local many towns, um, I think uh, I think it's eight towns and uh, both counties in the state also have passed complete streets laws uh, to try to direct dollars towards um, safer walking and biking uh, opportunities. It's really, you know, we can pass the law and the policy, but then really getting the projects funded and getting them, you know, within a rational time frame, uh, getting them implemented. And I, I, think, I think that's where the, the challenge has been. But on the local level, we've done a lot of community-based plans. I mean, downtown Farmingdale is a great example where, you know, this shifts into the concept of, you know, transit-oriented development and walkability too. But it's really building up a downtown area so there are more people walking people are living people are shopping people are even working in um in a center as opposed to driving all over the island to you know, driving to melville driving a hop hog you know we understand that exists and those deployment centers exist but to really build up downtown areas has been a key component of it as well as uh getting the streets right yeah, I've always appreciated your work on transit-oriented development also, because I think, you know, some people might not understand the significance of that, of having, you know, living spaces near trains so that people can commute from one place to the other. So I don't know if you want to talk about that, too, or you've done a lot of work on that. Yeah, I mean, we've done, I think right now, the sum total is uh, across the island, over 16,000 units of transit-oriented development have been approved. And... um uh, there are about 10,000 more units going through the planning process. And uh, the whole purpose of that is to get housing options in our downtowns. And, and Alyssa, I know this, this you know, getting folks living in the right locations, that really reduces greenhouse gas emissions. And it's been part of some of our prior plans that we've done with the state with NYSERDA, the cleaner greener plans, and um, you know some of the regional plans, and even uh, some of the sub-regional plans. The, these are goals on really the environmental community as well. Right. I mean, a lot of these developments, um, you know, people look, living in places like this, they, they tend to have fewer cars. They tend to drive less. Um, many times, even if they're not taking the train to work, some they, you know, they find it, you know, either convenient to go, you know, maybe to the city for entertainment or just for, you know, visiting other places on Long Island or people coming to visit them. Um, but generally speaking, the, people who are living in transit oriented developments most of the time, which are in downtowns, particularly uh, in Nassau County where the, where the trains are typically right in the downtown, um, you know, they just drive less, there's fewer vehicle miles traveled. So it's just, you know, they're able to live in a way where they're not driving everywhere um, and still have all these, you know, all the things they want to do right around the corner. You know, you have an assortment, you know, plenty of restaurants you can go out to, plenty of, you know, places to visit, places to shop. Um, it's it's all just much more convenience, you know, right nearby. Right. Yeah. My friends from the city make fun of us out here on Long Island because we drive everywhere. <laughs> We're I mean, trying to, to limit fair, which... as, as awful of an experience it is to drive most places on Long Island outside of downtowns um you know it's worse to walk which is probably why we drive everywhere because given the assortment of options it's it's you know many times the best but we're trying to change that so that it's you know 
you know, not your first choice to go everywhere. Right. Like I would definitely ride my bike more if I wasn't afraid of getting killed by an SUV. <laughs> the same here. Yeah. So. <laughs> and, and I will say this during coronavirus, more people were out walking and biking, more people were doing outdoor dining, more people were frequenting our downtowns, which kept them alive, by the way. And also the fact that people aren't commuting in the city as much, they're staying local. So they are there's a lunch crowd at different restaurants, whereas th those dollars used to be in Manhattan, right? So um, and there's happy hour crowds that are a little bigger, and that's keeping our local businesses functioning and you know creating a more street-level environment. Uh, and I think we're noticing that on our main street. So now we, we really, there's a real imperative. This isn't just magical thinking of strange ideas, you know, from academic environments. It's about Long Island's main streets and their, their being able to survive, uh, is tied to people walking and biking. And so we have to get our transportation agencies to to plan accordingly and make these safety improvements. And not just for people shopping in a downtown or eating in a downtown, but for families and schools and uh, people going to work. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of local activity that we haven't seen. And, you know, just, just go to the events all over the island. They're packed. Uh, there's more, there's three times the amount of events than there used to be. It used to be a Memorial Day parade and a you know, Labor Day Parade or Veterans Day, you know, now it's now it's just there's an event every weekend in most downtowns across Long Island, or at least many weekends, at least once a month, there's something amazing happening in a local community. And that's there's a richness in that. But there's also a responsibility to make our roads safer. Yeah, I, I was wondering if maybe Alyssa can comment, too, on how smart growth overall has played a role in environmental protection. Um, because I know there are some people that say, oh, it's just bringing the city out to Long Island and we don't want that and all that sort of thing. But from my perspective, you guys have always been great, like protectors of open spaces. And like you said, like making areas where people can ride bikes and feel safe. So I, I thought you might want to comment more on, on those issues. Yeah. I mean, by really trying to focus development in places that are already developed and already have infrastructure, although there may need to be improvements for, you know, walkability. Um, it kind of takes some of the pressure off of off of the undeveloped areas, the farmland, the open spaces, um, because there's going to be some level of growth. You know, people, there's a high quality of life out here. People are going to move here or people are just going to have kids here. There's, there's always going to be a need for some level of growth. And if you can make it more attractive to live in an already developed area in a downtown where you can walk to restaurants and all that. Um, it's a little less, you know, a little less demand for, you know, building a new cul-de-sac on a, on a farm out in Brookhaven or something like that, you know, kind of, you know, absorb some of that development pressure and keeps it in places that have already been developed to kind of take the edge off of places further East. Right. Like and I, I would just jump the summit you talked about. You've talked about, uh, you know, redeveloping brownfields, for example. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but, you know, definitely it's important to to, you know, build up on areas that that are already have been developed and particularly brownfields that have been contaminated, find ways to clean those spots up. Uh, we, we're always pushing for that. I think, 
you know, there are a lot of wonderful environmental organizations who have led the charge in open space preservation, you know, whether it be, you know, Nature Conservancy and just so many others. And and uh, locally, local folks have gotten behind that and many environmental bonds have passed and, you know, matching dollars on the state level and county level and quarter cent sales tax. We can go on and on and on. And we've always supported those initiatives. We haven't had to be the lead. But, you know, there have been a big steps in conservation subdivisions and guidelines and ways to build more densely in certain areas and and preserve other areas. And, and you know, I think over the last 20 years, there's been progress there. There have been too many subdivisions that we didn't want to see and sprawl development that has happened. But I think it's been somewhat curtailed, um, not just because of government policy and funding, but also because there customers, you know, the, the people who buy homes or buy who want to rent in apartments or even where they want to live or where they want to work has been more in downtown areas. We couldn't have, you know, 25 years ago, we 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 were laughed at. Who's going to be in a downtown? Who wants to live in a downtown? Who wants to live near a train station? It was almost a joke. People were like, get out of my office. This is crazy talk. But the good news is people, the generations, you know, good swath of the boomers, Xers, and a lot of millennials and now the Zs, they all want to live in downtowns and have walkable communities. So we have a much stronger market than we ever had. And uh, that's been fortuitous. It's just getting government policy and investment to go the right way. Uh, that's always the constant battle. Well, I know you guys help to work on the New York State smart growth law. So that isn't it that municipalities have to consider smart growth principles as they're implementing plans? Yeah, they've, they've been better uh, in, in, you know, the 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 state regulations on the smart growth law have been really helpful moving money. It used to be economic development dollars were kind of like the dark engine of sprawl, like, you know, the, 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 the you know, the death star of sprawl, you know, they would just fund, uh, you know, subdivisions or fund uh, industrial projects on open space. And we just were like, oh, my God, we should not use government funds for this. And now there you see, you look at economic development dollars on the state level have now been better at investing in downtowns, the downtown revitalization initiative funds. Uh, I can go on and on. I don't, we don't have the time, but there, there has been a shift in policy on the state level. Uh, Alyssa, you want to jump in here? I mean, I think you've got a lot of it, but yeah, a lot of it was, you know, whether it's through, um, you know, tax benefits or grants or anything, you know, a lot of it had been very much subsidizing new industrial projects on open space and widening highways further east to kind of be able to expand further and further out, whereas now it's it's more focused on, you know, redeveloping existing areas and, and uh, you know, trying to focus on, you know, generating jobs and all that kind of stuff in existing communities rather than just continually pushing further out. So tell us about your two main events every year. I know I've attended many times the Smart Growth Summit and the awards. Tell us about those. No, I'll do I'll do the awards a little. Let's just jump in on the summit. Uh the, the awards is really kind of we try to honor the best practices of projects, community, government, sometimes business leaders, and uh policies that make change on Long Island that so we don't have the same old, same old as far as development. Growth is more centered towards what communities want to see and through the lens of of environmental uh protection and through the lens of social needs, you know, and social equity as well. So I think we've we, we've done these awards now for 22 years and it's a nominations process and it's a little uh 
you know, not everybody gets a trophy, right? So, you know, we get about 50 applications each year and we give out about 15 awards. So there's always about 30 some odd people grumpy with us, but uh, it's a great uh, event and uh, we encourage people to support it. We do have videos online and are available on our Facebook pages and uh, our LinkedIn pages to check those out and, you know, nice little snippets of what people do. It's It's always inspiring because it's things that people you know, have pulled together to do. And we always hear so much division and negativity about nothing gets done or everything's awful and everybody hates each other. And we try to lift up the good, you know. So, uh, Alyssa, what do we do with our summit? Yeah, our summit each year, um, it's a, a full day event and we have, what, close to 20 work sessions where different topics, different panels, um, discussion on whether it's, you know, water quality issues or transportation safety issues or, transit-oriented development or affordable housing, you know, all the different um, issues that kind of surround uh, smart growth and development and, um, you know, clean energy and all that sort of stuff. So we, we get some of the, the best experts and, and folks in the field um, from all around the island um, and have panel discussions where people can, you know, learn about what's the newest projects going on, what's, you know, what's, what's happening. Um, and a lot of discussion and, and, you know, some new ideas come out of these, out of these panels, um, you know, that kind of can help, you know, lead into, to, to new future developments and, you know, um, moving forward just from the back and forth between the panelists and those in the audience. And, and, uh, you know, and it's, it's brings together people from all backgrounds. I mean, we have, you know, developers and labor and environmentalists and community activists and elected officials. And, you know, it, it's just like everyone comes together. There's no one audience um, at the event. It's, it's, it's for, you know, all, all sorts of people from all over Long Island. So it, it's a really exciting event. Um, and, you know, get to learn a lot um, and see what's going on all around the Island. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's a big intersection of all the issues. Yeah, and the constituencies that can work together, you know, and I think one of our big messages is bottom-up planning. And I think when you have in every community, well, Island's a community of communities. So every community's got, you know, 100 or so people that primarily drive what happens. And we get a good section of about 45, 50 communities. Now, some communities don't want change, don't want to be completely left alone, and we, we, we don't bother them. But the communities that want change and want, you know, the right type of redevelopment, they, they, they come out and they learn from each other. And it's really inspiring when you can learn. And sometimes they can really compete, comp, they're competitive with each other. Wait a second, how did you do that? We're going to do it better, you know? And there's that kind of neat, that creative tension that, that comes from uh, just inspiring each other and trying to do better each year. So, uh, and help each other solve problems because there's a lot of problems in this world right now. So we need each other, you know? Yeah, I'm sorry we have to wrap up. This is such an interesting topic, but um, I want to have one last question. What can people do to help support the issues that you're working on and support you? And we want to give your website as well. Alyssa, you want to tackle most immediately what people can do on the walkability front? I, I think is some of it is, you know, talk to your elected officials about, you know, where, where are there problems that really need to be addressed? Um, you know, the people who live there know what's going on and know where the dangerous spots are. Um, and, and, you know, work with, you know, local municipality to, to come up with better solutions than maybe what's been done in the past, because clearly what's been done in the past hasn't worked. Um, but I think bringing it to, to the attention, um, 
can help direct, you know, when applying for funding can help direct funding to the places that need it most. So, I mean, I think we, we encourage people to take pictures of intersections, mm-hmm. uh, talk with, yeah, exactly what Alyssa says, talk to your elected officials because they're the ones that they listen because they need your vote, right? So uh, there's a constituency behind real people and communities. So we we want to make sure that local people are speaking up, they're taking pictures of intersections, they're documenting problems. They can reach out to us, you know, they can find us, um, you know, Alyssa's EK at visionlongisland.org, I'm EA at visionlongisland.org. We have a website, Vision Island.org. That's not as active as our Facebook or LinkedIn pages. Uh, for us as individuals, you can find me on LinkedIn and, and on Facebook. And uh, but we're always out in communities. Um, you know, we have a Main Street News show. Folks can watch. Folks can support us. Folks can come to events. But most importantly, in your own community, join a civic. Join your chamber. Uh, speak to your local official. Go to public meetings and, and speak up about conditions. And then find others that are that are doing similar things. The most the most that gets done on Long Island, in my opinion, at least in doing this for a while, is is local. When local issues bubble up, that's when action happens. And when people get past the division and are actually kind of working together, um, it's elected officials can't say, wait a second, uh, the businesses and the civics aren't working together, so we don't have to do, deal with either of them. If they're both saying the same thing, it's like, oh, my God. You know, if the environmentalists and developers are saying the same thing, wow. We can't ignore this, you know, uh, if it's for a referendum for sewer funds and clean water funds for for Suffolk downtowns or if it's a way to 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 uh, to make sure small businesses get assistance uh, in our downtowns and Nassau and Suffolk, you know, whatever the issue is to support our main streets and walkable opportunities, um, you know, there's there's ways to do this locally. So reach out to us. We're around. Thank you so much. We've been talking to Alyssa Kyle and Eric Alexander from Vision Long Island. Definitely check out their website, visionlongisland.org, and their Facebook and LinkedIn. And thank you so much for all the work you've been doing all these years. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Great talking to you.